0: Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Jesus immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When you got into the boat, the wind ceased. Sorry, start again. You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Please join me as we pray together. Father, all the earth is yours and you are with us wherever we are. Our different locations do not separate us from you and you take us and you make us one, bringing us together in you. Your goodness never ends and you speak as we listen, and sometimes even when we're not listening. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, thank you, amen. Betrayal. Betrayal is a dirty word, isn't it? It is at the heart of the story read to us this morning about Joseph being betrayed and sold as a slave by his half-brothers. Have you ever been betrayed? Then you have some idea of what Joseph went through when his brothers sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelite traders going down to Egypt. As you most likely know, Joseph's father was Jacob, and Fran spoke about Jacob last week. Betrayal seems to run through Jacob's life, starting right from when he is born and named Jacob. As Fran mentioned, he was born holding on to the heel of his older twin brother Esau. So they named him Jacob, which means he who grasps the heel, an idiom for trickster or deceiver or betrayer. The new name God gave Jacob is Israel which means one who struggles with God or one with whom God struggles. That name Israel was given to Jacob by God at the end of an actual physical wrestling match Jacob had with God. But now in today's reading a whole new struggle, a whole new wrestling match comes into Jacob's life. He has 12 sons and Joseph is his favorite. Being the firstborn of Rachel, the wife Jacob loved the most. Rachel died in giving birth to Benjamin, her second son. And now Jacob has lost Joseph, his favorite son. Joseph's brothers let their emotions control them and they envied Joseph for being Jacob's favorite. And when Jacob gives Joseph a very expensive, beautiful coat of many colors, their envy and their hatred go through the roof. Then Joseph had two dreams. Both indicate he is going to rule over his family. He tells his brothers the first to dream that his sheaf of wheat stands up and so do theirs, but then their sheaves of wheat bow down to his that does not endear them to jo- that does not endear joseph to them another dream jacob tells his brothers and his father has the sun moon and 11 stars bowing down to him even jacob is not too happy about this while his brothers are livid some of them now hate joseph enough to kill him Evil left to itself grows. And their hatred is not what God wants, although God does bring goodness out of their evil. As I said, evil left to itself grows. We must not underestimate that. And they betray their father, presenting him with Joseph's coat. So having betrayed Joseph, now they betray their father. The coat is torn. It has blood on it by their design. They are leading Jacob to believe his son Joseph is dead. Notice Jacob's sons do not tell their father. Start again. Notice Jacob's sons do not tell Jacob that their son is dead. They avoid using their brother's name in showing their father the coat they found. By doing this, they can say they never lied to their father. It's bizarre to see how dishonest people find ways to make themselves seem innocent to themselves. It's called self-deception, and it shows our unwillingness to face what we have done, the wrongs we have done, we hope will remain hidden. Sooner or later, though, we can thank God. The truth comes out. The people who have done wrong don't like it, but the truth does come out. But right now, Jacob and Joseph are deeply, deeply hurt. Betrayal hurts, whether it is a husband or wife who cheats on you, or parents who betray you, or children betraying you as their parents, or betrayal by a best friend who marries your one true love or anyone else, betrayal hurts. The closer the relationship, the greater our level of trust. And the greater our level of trust, the more betrayal hurts. That reminds me of the story of a kid up in a tree, not too high up. His grandfather sees him up there and says, you jump, I'll catch you. The kid shakes his head, but grandpa persists. Finally, the kid jumps and grandpa steps back, so the kid goes crashing to the ground grandpa steps forward and shakes one finger at his grandson. Let that teach you, he says. Don't trust anyone, not even your grandpa. And if you think about it, the higher the kid is, the greater is his trust in letting go, and the greater his trust, the more he's going to be hurt. When young, we have a great trust in our bodies. Age, sickness, Weakness, terminal illnesses, sharply bring death into focus, and we may feel life and our bodies have betrayed us. God himself, the source of life, was betrayed by Adam and Eve, and death comes into our world. Not what God wanted. Even today, every death is a life betrayed. And what hurts most in betrayal and in death is this, we are helpless. Joseph is helpless. He can do nothing to stop his brothers, no matter how much he begs them, he's helpless. Jacob can do nothing to bring back the son he thinks is dead. He is helpless. Situations where we are helpless terrify and hurt us at the very deepest level of our being. Even we as Christians may feel this way, helpless, with helpless helpless despair moving into hopelessness. Yet, however helpless we may feel, we actually are not helpless for we can pray We may not be able to help ourselves, but God can, and he hears our prayers. We can and should pray for healing, for God can and does heal, but not always. We may pray for a relationship to be healed, but it falls apart and ends. A betrayer may succeed in their betrayal. The child we love may die, and we find ourselves in the helplessness of grief, What do we do when that happens? First, face what has gone wrong. This is not as easy as it sounds. Some who have been deceived do not want to tell others they've been exploited and ripped off. They fear looking gullible and foolish. Or some with cancer have refrained from telling their family because telling others makes it more real, and questions will be asked. They want to escape what is happening. The truth is more than they can bear. Yet the more we postpone facing the truth, the harder it becomes to say anything, for we now look like we're deceptive and dishonest. And they are not impressed that they think that they couldn't handle the truth. They don't like the fact that we somehow didn't trust them enough to tell them the truth. So face the truth and be honest about what is wrong, recognizing and facing our human helplessness. And we need to pray, crying out to God with all our heart. In the garden of Gethsemane, facing his betrayal and death, our Lord cries out to his heavenly Father and begs him, Father, please let this cup pass from me. Everything in him begs God to stop what is about to happen. But a deeper part of him says yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is nailed to the cross. And there he feels abandoned by God, forsaken. But notice, in being forsaken, and utterly helpless, abandoned. He cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His agony of heart goes directly to his father and to ours. So take your sense of abandonment to God. There's nothing wrong with feeling forsaken of God. I have no doubt. Joseph and Jacob felt the same way, that God had left them in the lurch, And feeling this way is not wrong as long as it does not stop us from going to God. Taking our feeling of abandonment to our Heavenly Father, just as our Lord does, is a part of facing betrayal and death. And not long after his expression of abandonment, Jesus says into your hands, I commit my spirit. All we have in disaster is God. And our Heavenly Father, through our Lord, has shown us betrayal and death are not the end. After he dies, Jesus descends into hell, preaches to the spirits in prison, rises from the dead, appears to his disciples, ascends into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, and will return to rule the earth, ending all evil. God's kingdom will come with his will with his will being done on earth as it is in heaven but we are not there yet as disaster and grief come into our lives we are learning what could not be learned otherwise jacob now named israel is struggling with god and god is struggling with israel losing his son Jacob struggles with God in learning a whole new dependence on the one who changed his name. And Joseph, taken as a slave down to Egypt, has a choice. He can hate God or trust him and cry out to God in his helplessness. He cries out to God. Helplessness brings a whole new depth of relationship with God. Even our Lord learns obedience through suffering as stated in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. And our own suffering teaches us what others are going through as they suffer. We grow in our dependence of God and in our ability to help others who are hurting and feeling helpless. Also, we begin to realize death is not the end, that God is with us through death itself. And life surprisingly goes on. We have a much clearer perspective of what is beyond this world, and a much greater understanding of the ugliness in this world, and that includes our hatred, because we can become very resentful against those who wrong us, very resentful against life, very resentful against God himself. At the same time though, we see the goodness of God being with us in our suffering if we look to him. We see him changing us and others. We realize he suffered with his son and has experienced what we are going through. He not only faces the evil of our world, but takes its evil on himself, giving us himself when we do not deserve his forgiveness. And the joy of being forgiven, of experiencing his love and goodness overflows into sharing with others caring for them in their pain and suffering and trusting God with all we are, even as he trusts us and delights in us. Have you ever stopped to think about that, that God trusts you? That God trusts us, that he delights in us? His good hand guides us in ways we had never expected, and the beauty of his holiness is our light in the darkness of this world. Does that ring a bell? Do you remember our reading from Psalm 105, starting at verse three? The psalmist says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Search for the Lord and his strength. Continually seek his face. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, the judgments he has pronounced. Aren't you glad that what we have read today about Joseph and Jacob is not the end of the story. Psalm 105 reminds us how God called for a famine in the land. He had Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, send for Joseph, the slave in prison. Verse 20 says, The ruler of the peoples set him free. He set Joseph as a master over his household, as a ruler over all his possessions, to instruct his princes according to his will, and to teach his elders wisdom. That famine God brings reminds us God has authority over nature. We see our Lord walking on water and the wind stops when he climbs into the boat. The disciples are terrified at first, thinking Jesus is a ghost. Jesus calms their fears. Peter joins Jesus in walking on water and Peter is fine until his focus switches from Jesus to the wind the problem. He starts to sink and cries out, Lord, save me. More terror, and Jesus rescues him. Jacob and Joseph are sinking, drowning in deep sorrow and grief. God will rescue them, exposing the wrongdoers, but it took about 30 years. God does not work as quickly as we would like. There's a story of the person who said to God, God, is it true a day is like a thousand years to you and a thousand years like a day? God says, Yes, that's true. So the person continued. Would a dollar be like ten million dollars to you and ten million dollars like one dollar? That's right, God said. So said that individual. Could I have a dollar? (laughs) Of course, God said. Tomorrow, just wait one day. (laughs) We don't like waiting but in his time god will rescue us and we have the assurance of his presence with us right now so remember we are to face our difficulty and recognize our human limitations and our helplessness the sense of helplessness we bring that that that, that the sense of helplessness that disaster brings when helpless pray That reminds us we are not helpless, although on our own we are helpless. Take to God even your sense of being abandoned by him. Think back over how he has helped you and others, giving thanks. Remember Jacob, Joseph, Peter, and our Lord. Remember our Lord and his authority over nature. Look beyond this world into the the eternal kingdom of God. See this world for what it really is, but do not stop there. See God for who he really is, and let his goodness strengthen your heart, knowing he will bring an end to all evil. And out of that, you will be able to help others. You will have compassion on those who are hurting. You will care for those going through the disasters of this world. And we will pray for them, even as we pray for ourselves. So as St. Paul tells us, rejoice always, pray continually, and in everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. That's First Thessalonians chapter Five, verses 16 and eight, 16, 17 and 18. Well worth memorizing. May God's peace guard our hearts in all we are facing. He is faithful.